0: listening to the traditional outdoors podcast
1: this week's episode of the traditional outdoors podcast is brought to you by everglades angling and ecotours everglades angling specializes in backcountry kayak fishing trips in florida's everglades but also offers friendly kayak tours in miami jim desaias the founder of everglades angling and ecotours has been guiding in south florida since 2003 Jim will guide you as you paddle your way through mangrove tunnels that open into hidden lakes with rolling tarpon and eager snook. Cast your line and hang on as your fly or lure is attacked by aggressive snook or tarpon. This is close quarters fishing where you can often see your offering get eaten, often followed by the hooked fish going airborne. Closer to Miami, Everglades Angling offers kayak trips for peacock bass. Peacock bass attract anglers from all over the world because of their aggression and fighting ability. In the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area, Jim offers three-hour kayak tours that are great for the entire family. He calls these his unplugged tours, and they have become popular with folks wanting to connect with their kids or spouse in an outdoor, distraction-free setting. Although close to the Miami skyline, you'll feel as if you're in a remote location with incredible bird life, manatees, and the occasional dolphin sighting. For more information, visit www.EvergladesAngling.org and follow Jim on Facebook and Instagram at Everglades Angling and on his YouTube channel, Jim Dusias. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast, everyone. I'm your host Steve Angel. I am rejoined this week by my by my good friend Mr. Nick View, and we've got a we've got a fantastic guest this week. We've been. Uh, Man, we've been trying to get this thing lined up for a long time. This, uh, I've given Nick a hard time about uh, me lighting a fire under his butt to get him into fly fishing last year. But uh, a big component of that is joining us on the on the call today, Mister Brian Fleschig from Mad River Outfitters. How you doing, Brian?
2: I'm doing great, guys. Uh, glad to be here. So,
1: as I as I said in the in the intro there, uh when I was. When we started this podcast, Nick and I talked about it a good bit. And, you know, we wanted to branch out of our, uh, really what our core, um, outdoor activity was, which is, is bow hunting to include, um, fly fishing and well, fishing in general, but a lot of fly fishing, backpacking, so forth. And Nick had never, uh, Nick had never done any fly fishing. So when I really got him interested in it. Uh, pointed him to uh, some of your getting started in fly fishing videos and the rest as they say is history so um, (laughs) it's some it's some fantastic some fantastic videos Brian and and I was looking on the the uh, YouTube channel today you've been doing those for uh, five years now.
2: Well you know uh, we started uh, a while back uh, and I guess uh, right about five years ago and and I think it was kind of typical as you, what you see with a lot of uh YouTube channels in especially in our business is people do it for a little while and then it kind of falls off they lose interest and uh uh the folks that were doing the filming and the production we were not overly happy with and uh uh one thing led to another and I was actually working with Dev who's sitting right here next to me and really the only reason why we have all this fancy equipment around me. I wouldn't know how to operate this stuff. But uh, anyhow, uh, I think Dev and I filmed a commercial together for another company. And uh, I just happened to mention that maybe we ought to look into working together in some capacity. And uh, as you just said, one thing led to another. And next thing you know, uh, basically, he's a full-time tech a guy here at mad river outfitters and we spend uh, a good portion of our time filming videos uh, so it was really uh i guess about a year and a half ago a little more that we really got serious about it and of course dev really upped the production quality and uh you know we film one or t- two days a week and as you see it's just growing leaps and bounds and uh you know i think the really neat thing is the number of people that reach out to us on a regular basis through all different channels and and tell us how much uh that we and mad river outfitters is helping them uh you know pursue the sport of fly fishing and that's that's just very rewarding and it's a lot of fun
1: well for uh for those of uh, those listeners of ours that that aren't familiar with it i'm gonna go ahead and I'll, I'll try to do this at least a couple of times through the through the recording tonight and i'll be sure to include links when we actually post this episode live but um the the youtube channel you can easily find that searching for mad river outfitters and you're going to see a ton of videos there um you've actually got um nearly thirty thousand subscribers to that channel
2: yeah and then that's the, correct. the
1: the the website is madriveroutfitters.com i believe Yes. Um, and that's a full-service fly shop. Um, I tell you what, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Mad River and, and your relationship uh, to Mad River Outfitters, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that and a little bit more about the videos.
2: Sure, sure. Well, um, I, I got my start uh, back in 1989, believe it or not, which means uh, I'm celebrating 30 years in the fly fishing business. And I became a manager at age 19. I became the manager of a fly fishing shop in Cincinnati, Ohio. And it was a very small shop, kind of small potatoes. And uh, after about four and a half years or so doing that, I kind of realized that this is something that I might want to pursue. Basically, the truth of the matter is, is all I knew how to do was play the guitar and mandolin and nobody was going to pay me to do that. So the next thing I knew how to do was fly fish, and so uh, I figured out a way to turn it into a profession, and Columbus, Ohio was really in need of uh, service in the world of fly fishing, and it was, it's a really great place to live, and it's actually, believe it or not, a fantastic place to be as a fly angler and uh uh, i kind of dreamed it up one night and went to my dad and and i i told him uh, my idea and we kind of put our heads together and on on december 1st of 1994 mad river outfitters opened its doors to the first customers right here in columbus ohio in fact we're still in the same Plaza uh, here in Columbus. We this is our third storefront, and we continue to grow and grow. Although this is the last one, uh, trust me, I'm not moving again. This is the <laughs> final resting place of Mad River Outfitters because uh, there's too much stuff here to move. Uh, but we've been doing it ever since, um, you know, and it's just been it's been a roller coaster, let me tell you. But it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, I I think you know uh, these days we are ranked right up there in one of the top five or top ten in the fly fishing industry. So uh, it's uh, we're having a lot of fun and, and and finally after all these years enjoying some success.
0: Well, yeah, you got to be doing something right because I remember when I first started doing this and I typed in uh, fly fishing one hundred and one videos. I think you were like like you had to been in the top ten and had multiple videos in the top ten and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of hits and, and a lot of great information. And I mean, yeah, it was all pretty much right there. Like Steve said, I learned, you know, I, I, whenever I get into anything, I jump into it. So, I mean, I was absorbing before I even had a rod or anything, I was absorbing YouTube content and, uh, and whatever articles I could get my hands on. And, and, you know, I, I think I, I watched all, all the beginner episodes, that you guys did and, um, took notes and, and all kinds of stuff. I was really nerding out about it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the content's absolutely fantastic. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to eventually make a trip to the fly shop sometime too. (laughs) Oh, cool. Well,
2: thank you. Um, you know, it's, 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 there's, there's really a concept behind the whole thing. And I think if you watch not only the getting started in fly fishing program, But many of the other things that we do is, um, and I think this has really, really resonated with a lot of folks, and I hear this all the time. Um, Again, I've been in the business for 30 years. I've been surrounded my entire life by the pomp and circumstance that tends to kind of surround fly fishing. And the, um, the stuff that I saw out there, Wound up being actually, and I'm sure you've seen this too, Nick. That um, there's some things that you just watch, and it's it's you're more confused at the end of the video than when you started, and you were probably better off not to watch it in the first place.
0: You're absolutely right there. (laughs) And
2: there's a ton of that out there, and I I don't mean anybody any uh, offense, but but what we set out to do was really uh, first and foremost simplify things um, you know one of the great misconceptions about fly fishing is that it's complicated and that you know people think you've got to have a PhD in entomology in order to go fly fishing and that it's going to take years and years to master the techniques and really it can be done um, and basically let me sum it up this way I, I've done this on video you'll, uh, you'll hear this on some of the videos The first, there's three steps that you need to take in getting started in fly fishing. And the first step is you need to learn about the stuff. And that can easily be done uh, through that uh, getting started in fly fishing series. And then, of course, our Q&A and some of the tutorials. But you can easily learn about the stuff, the rods, reels, lines, leaders. Number two, you need to learn how to deliver a fly. And that is fly casting, which is actually very, very simple. And can be learned pretty quickly, but usually takes some professional instruction. Um, Again, not that hard, not overly expensive. And then number three, you need to tie a fly on the end and make it act like food. You need to throw it in the water and make it act like food. And voila, you're fly fishing. It's not that complicated, it doesn't have to be overly expensive, it's not the sport of kings like people have, have always made it out to be, and so that's, I think what we've tried to do is try to really make it accessible for the, for the average Joe or average Jane, and you don't have to be super smart, you don't have to be super athletic, you don't have to be super rich, anybody can fly fish. Um, and it's just not the exclusive sport of kings like it's always been made out to be.
0: All right, yeah, I hear you too. And, I, and actually sometimes I think, so it took me a lot to get me into it. Like and a lot of that was what you were saying. Like I have I hadn't even touched a touched a fishing pole since I w- since I was 16 years old. And you know, I just started mm-hmm. last year you know, at the age of 37. So, I mean, I, I hadn't done any fishing or anything, and I was really intimidated by it. And I just, I was like, you know, do I really want to, and it was the price and everything too, and and just the, the technique and, and all of it. And, you know, my buddies were kind of just like, you know, we're just hacks too. You know, we've only been doing it for a while. One guy got back into it after being, you know, a hiatus for a few, you know, a few years, and they're like, just come splash water and try it. You know, it, it, you, mm-hmm. I ended up getting like a really cheap uh, Cabela's outfit, um, and I hit the water. Um, actually, Memorial Day weekend last year, um, and man, I had the time of my life. Um, and I even, you know, after after a little bit of flailing around, I got I caught you know I caught my first brown, and it really wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been on it ever since. I mean, it just it's really I mean nothing really beats doing it, and you know, it just, that's what I'm telling everybody. Just take the, take the plunge. You just kind of got to do it, you know?
2: Well, the, the word you use was intimidated and there are so many people that are intimidated by it. Um, and then also too, we take the same exact approach, the same approach that you see there on our YouTube channel and in the videos, you're going to, if you come in our store, Or we even think the experience of buying from us online, which you know our website is really these days, for most of the people that would listen to this, our website is our store. Our website is going to tell you everything about it. And we even think that the website kind of comes across that way, too. It's very easy. It's very laid back. We don't take ourselves overly seriously. And um, we try to take the intimidation out of it, whether you're watching our YouTube channel, whether you're in our store. Um, You know, we get people that come in and you can just tell that they're very intimidated and they're going to think that we're going to be uppity or hoity-toity or look down our nose at them if they don't understand how to properly size up a leader or how to pick the right flies. And then when you joke around a bit, um, you know, make those people realize that we don't take ourselves overly seriously. There's a lot of fly shops in this country. I'll just be brutally honest with you. There's a lot of fly shops in this country that you walk in and they somehow really think that that fly fishing really matters (laughs) in this world. And it really doesn't. I mean, what I do for a living, it's not religion. It's not politics. I'm not saving babies. I'm not curing cancer. Good Lord, I'm out. I'm catching fish with with a stick. With an overpriced stick, it doesn't have any bearing on any other aspect of life other than it gives me pleasure and it happens to be what I do for a living. Um, so, you know, that's the approach that we've taken is we don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, we want everybody to realize that it's not overly exp- It doesn't have to be overly expensive. It doesn't have to be that hard. Anybody can do this. And you just take a few simple steps. But like you said it, and you said it very well, you've got to get out there and do it. Tie a fly on the end and also realize you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Like I said, I've been doing this for 43 years of my life. I've been doing it professionally for 30 years of my life. And I make mistakes every day. That's just a, I get in tangles. I get flies caught in trees, the whole nine yards, everything that's going to happen. It's, it, it's all a part of it. Um, and, and and that's all part of the experience and part of the learning curve of it. But at the end of the day, to me, there's nothing better than throwing a fly. Sometimes a fly that I tied myself, um, and being able to fool a fish into eating that there's, um, you know, it's one of those things, just like hunting, I guess we can't really explain to people why we do it and why we get satisfaction from it. But I do. And uh, so much so that uh, I turned it into my living.
1: Okay, you opened a door there. We're going to come back to that.
2: Um, <laughs> We're see, I've got other comments too. But,
1: I, I, you know, it, listening to you talk, Brian, I will tell you that, you know, when, when Nick was, when I was really trying to get Nick fired up and getting him, you know, get him to, to at least try it, that was one of the first things that we talked about was the cost. And, mm-hmm. And I said the same thing you did. You know, you can spend as much or as little as you want within reason. Um, yes. you know, I said there's definitely some there's some equipment you want to stay away from. You want to you want to buy something that's reputable and and you know, look at reviews and those kind of things. I started out Let me I'm going to back up again. You made the comment there's a lot of there's a lot of videos out there that make it too complicated. 100% yes. agree. One of the reasons that I really really love yours and I can't tell you how many times I've shared um, either a video or the, the channel with somebody that was asking. Um, I would have given anything to have had your, your videos when I was, I think, 16 years old and had saved my money a whole summer to go buy just an absolute piece of garbage. But I learned how to cast with it. Sure, um, sure. I, my, my, my right arm to this day is still stronger than my left because it was so heavy. <laughs> um, but I did I did learn and I did catch fish with it but people don't realize there is a lot of really really great quality fly fishing gear out there that's that's just not overly expensive um, but you, you that's just have to look that's one of the great research.
2: miscon that's one of the great misconceptions about the sport and I can't stress it enough and the the and and yeah, I'm walking a thin line here in the fact that, yeah, you walk in our store, and yeah, there's that we do have $900 fly rods. We do have $800, $900 fly reels. Sure. I've got to make a living, number one. Number two, there are people that enjoy and can afford fine equipment like that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, if I want to, you know, actually, uh, from time to time, in fact, it just happened today, we did a review... I think it was uh, published yesterday on a mid-priced fly reel. It's not, it's not cheap, but it's not outrageously expensive. And the people that chime in and say, oh my God, I can't believe anybody would pay that kind of money for a fly reel. Well, first of all, you don't have to pay that kind of money. And we've made that very clear in many of our videos. That And, and I've gone to great lengths to say, yeah, I'm going to review this reel. But remember that you don't need this um th- but if somebody has the wherewithal to buy a fine piece of equipment who who am i to or who is anybody to um to knock them if they want to own a very fine piece of machinery i'm i'm sitting here looking at uh pat kelly who works for us i'm sitting here looking at his fly tying vice i think he and dev were filming a Uh, fly tying tutorial the other day and good lord I believe that this fly tying vice sells for somewhere around $800 (coughs) yeah now I tie on a vice that costs about $80 and I have since I was a kid Um, do I need that $800 fly tying vice of course I don't I tie perfectly good flies on on an $80 vice but if Pat Kelly wants to buy an $800 fly tying vice he can. This is America. it's a free country yeah, sure. Um, but to get back to the uh, I'm getting off on a little bit of a rant and a tangent there. the fact is that yeah there is some bad stuff out there and one of the best pieces of advice that I can give somebody is find a reputable fly fishing store, a fly fishing pro shop that you know is not going to BS you and just try to sell you something to make a quick buck. And somebody that is honestly looking out for your best interest and the fact that when somebody comes to us and they say, hey, here's my budget, then I'm going to find them the best tackle that I can and keep them within their budget. And I'm not going to try to sell them something that they first of all can't afford. And then secondarily, they really don't need Per se. Um, that's one of the th- cool things about working at Mad River Outfitters. Nothing, nothing in the store that we sell
0: do you need. That's a great shop slogan.
2: <laughs> nothing here do you need. And uh, here's what I've always told our employees. As a salesperson, you are, and if you really think about this, as a salesperson, really what you are is a problem solver. When you really look at it, okay, let's say a car salesman. You walk into a, a car dealership and you have a problem. You need a car. You walk into a, uh, you know, a, an appliance store and nobody just goes out and buys a washing machine just because they're in the mood for buying a washing machine. They're going to buy that washing machine because their old one crapped out on them. And they have a problem now. They need to buy a washing machine because the one they have is broken. So when you or I or uh, any of us walk into an appliance store, we're not overly thrilled about having to buy a washing machine. Let's face it. (laughs) That's not something I do just on the weekends for fun. But when somebody walks into Mad River Outfitters, their problem is they want to buy a new fly rod. They don't need to buy, like they needed to buy the washing machine, but they want to buy a new fly rod. and what a, Or a new fly reel, or a new fly line, or they're looking for the latest, greatest fly. None of that do they need, but how cool is that to be able to live in a world where people are shopping because they want and not need. So... Uh, greatest sales job in the world, if you ask me, and we're honored to be able to. That's do a it. Yeah,
0: that's a great uh, slogan for our podcast too. There's nothing here that you need. <laughs> <laughs> no. and,
2: uh, nothing here you need, and and really none of what we're talking about is overly important. Like I said, we're not we're not saving babies or curing cancer. We're talking. And you know, about you can you fish.
0: can tell that right away when you go into a shop too. Um, you I usually know within a couple minutes going into a fly shop whether I'm going to like it or not. You, sure. you, can, you can totally, oh, I yeah. mean, they all look similar, but you can totally tell by the mm-hmm. way you're greeted or not greeted if the people in there are too cool or too local or yeah. too experienced and want nothing to do with you. Or the people that get you right sure. when you walk in the door, you know, are funny, are joking around with you, are loose, you know, want to know, first they want to know what you are looking for and then... Then they'll, the way they show you an alternative to it is way different than, you know, well, you could do that, but if you want to do it that way, but if you want to catch fish, you should probably do it my way, (laughs) you know, and there is, it's so funny how that exists. I don't notice that as much in hunting stores or normal like pro shops, but when you go into a fly shop, it's so easy to tell like what kind of, what kind of, um, What kind of atmosphere you're going to have. I mean, I was just, even just being in Grayling, Michigan a couple weeks ago, um, in the different shops I went into, I knew which one was my favorite immediately. Like, you could just tell Mm -hmm. which one it was. And and they all had the same stuff, but it was just the atmosphere and the way they treated you. And it, you know, I didn't feel like I didn't belong when I walked in there, Um, only being a year Mm -hmm. into
2: it. Well, and that's one of the what's one of the big problems with our sport, and that's one of the reasons why so many people are intimidated, and that's why I think so many people have been turned off over the years because so many fly shops, and I've been in so many of them over the course of my life, um, and you like you said, you know immediately, and and here's a pretty good way you can sum it up is is that. Um, you know, the, uh, a good salesperson makes the, that experience about the customer. Whereas a lot of fly shops, you walk in and it's about the salesperson. And I've been in so many fly shops over the years where a salesman tells me how great he is and how much he knows. And I, 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 that's not what it should be about. When I'm, when I'm a customer, it's all about me. I got news for you. And when he starts telling me how, how he's fished all over the world and he's done this and done that, you know, here we go again, but I'm going to look right at him and say, Hey man, but you're not saving babies or curing cancer. <laughs> so none of it matters.
1: The, the only thing I will add to everything that you've said, Brian, and I don't, and I don't know where you stand. There is a, there's a couple of equipment questions that I may throw out at you if I get a chance. Here. Sure. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure people understand we I at least I'm not you may you may counter me on this. I'm not saying there's there's not a difference between a $200 rod and an $800 rod. There's definitely a difference. Um but but you don't have to go out and spend that that $800 and I never have. I'm I'm kind of more the the, the middle of the road. I probably I probably tend to mismatch my reels on my rods more than anything else. Um mm-hmm. I'm a big I'm a big Ross and Able reel fan. But I'm uh-huh. typically putting those on, you know, three or four hundred dollar rods. So the the reels costing as much or sometimes more than the rod. Sure. But they last me forever and I never worry about I never worry about the thing breaking. Um so, you know, I I, I guess I just you know, I've I've fished with the really um, lower end stuff, definitely catch fish with them. Uh, but there, there definitely are differences as you go up in price to a point, I think. I think once you get to a certain point, I can't tell the difference. Um, and that's usually for me somewhere around that $500 mark. Once I go above it, I can't tell the difference in the rod, but I think it's probably more my cheap mind <laughs> than,
0: than it is the quality <laughs> of the tend And I tend to, I tend uh, to spend... I don't know my philosophy is kind of spend more on the rod and less on the reel. but I, I spend a lot more time catching smaller brown trout so you know in that case you know with a with a lower weight rod um but I'm still in the acquisition state phase where Steve's been at it a while um I, I still have a mm-hmm. lot of other stuff to get and <laughs> I, sometimes i sit down and i go yeah you know i just go into a fly shop and even just today i was just buying leaders and tippet and and whatnot and i came out seventy dollars light and i was like i didn't buy anything like i I got line <laughs> <lying. laughs> you know but uh right yeah and
1: and i should have prefaced by him was saying when i when I, I was specifically speaking to um you know the average, the average trout mm-hmm. rod, the average you know trout fisherman. I used to have a, a saltwater rig. I've since sold it just because I, I very rarely make, get the chance to go. Uh, and I want to say that was nearly a, a, a two thousand dollar rig, uh, T-Bore Riptide, and I forget the rod now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was a Saint Croix something. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll tell you you hook into a big sheep's head with one of, with a you know with a with a fly rod in your hand and you're you're happy you've got that more expensive rod um, that was about the, the the most fighting fish I've ever had on a fly rod in my life um,
2: you know what I love catching those things uh, <laughs> I, I've got a fly that I developed for fishing down in Louisiana and uh and it's it's become known as the sheep's head killer down there
1: <laughs> what uh, is it there- what does it mimic uh,
2: a little crab, yeah. In fact, it's uh. In fact, I did a YouTube video on how to tie. It's called the Plantation Crab, and uh, it it is not only a redfish killer, but sheep's head love it. Um, it's it's and in fact, uh, I've I've kind of developed a little reputation for catching sheep's head down there in Louisiana, which is one of my favorite places to fish.
1: They are a lot of fun, and I'll be honest, they. They ate a lot better than I was expecting. Oh yeah, yeah, you can get them to eat the, the table fare on them's
2: fantastic. Yeah, people talking about them being overly challenging, but you you can get them to eat. Um, they call them uh, Louisiana permit down there because they're um, they they can be tough to catch, but uh, this this fly that uh, that we uh, dreamed up one night hanging around down there in Louisiana really really they really seem to like it. But Steve, I want to go back and touch real quick. Um, uh, you, were, you were talking about the rod. And um, here's, sure. here's the bottom line on this. And I, I say this to people every day of my life, both here in the shop and via email, because we get, um, you know, through our Q&A series that we do on the YouTube channel, we get I probably wade through 40 to 50 questions via email every day. And I always, and in fact, I taught a class last night here in the shop, and I, I say this every day in my life, sometimes 10 times a day. Um, yes, there is a difference between a $100 rod, a $500 rod, and a $900 rod. And you would have to think that if there wasn't a difference, that something is really wrong with our industry. Um, if, if, if literally a, a $900 rod was the same as a $300 rod, then, then there's something wrong. Um, so yes, the answer is there is a difference. But here is the bottom line, almost end of story, is that the, the $900 rod is not, it is just not going to catch you more fish. That's the bottom line.
1: And that's a not only a very good but often overlooked yeah <laughs>
2: it's, it's just not going to catch you more fish now, there's all kinds of things that come into play. I mean, like I said, if you if you have the money to spend on something like that, um, I mean, you guys know in the hunting world, I mean, you know, and, and forgive me, I don't know that much about bow hunting, but let's say a50 dollar bow is not necessarily it's still going to shoot an arrow. And it's still really up to you to aim and release and to do all the things that that a hunter does. Um, so it's not necessarily going to kill you more game. Um, it's it's all about. I mean, I can go I can go catch redfish down in Louisiana on a fifty dollar fly rod, and I have. But I tend to have more fun doing it, and I have take I don't know maybe a little bit more pride in owning some nice. Gear that I, that I'm proud of and that um, that I take great pride in using, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But am I ever going to tell somebody that you, that you're going to catch more fish because you spend this much more money? Well, I think that's what the fly fishing industry wants you to believe. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, of course, you see you see all the advertisements for the rods and reels, right? You open up a magazine. Here's an advertisement for uh, the the latest, greatest rod. Here's an advertisement for the latest, greatest reel. When do you ever see your two most important pieces of gear? Here it is right here. Your most important piece of gear that you can own is your fly. Your second most important piece of gear is your leader. And one might actually be able to argue that those two things could be flip-flopped because if your leader is not right and it can't deliver the fly properly, then what good is the right fly? So that's an arguable point, and actually your leader might be your most important piece of gear, but I think you guys get the point that it's all backwards. The fly fishing industry and um, most of the literature and most of the salespeople out there have it all backwards in the fact that your most important pieces of gear are on the other end of the line it's your fly, it's your leader, it's your fly line, long before it's your rod and your reel. If somebody takes a $900 fly rod and they have no idea what leader they're attaching to the end, well, they just wasted $900 on a fly rod. Whereas a $50 fly rod with a good leader and a good fly, well, I can that dog will hunt. I can fish that. But the reverse is just not true. So it's, it's really almost like everything's backwards in the world of fly fishing, and again, back to one of the problems and why a lot of folks are intimidated by it, because that's what you see in the magazines, that's what you see in advertisements, and, and on TV shows, it's all about advertising the rod and reel, and those are two of your least important pieces of gear.
1: Well, and I'll be honest, Brian, I'm sitting here listening to everything you're saying, and... You know, a lot of it I have to equate to just good old male ego. Sometimes, um, oh yeah, you mentioned the you mentioned the the fly and the leader being the most important, and the uh what it was like in the, the bow hunting. It's funny you said that. Nick and I both are, are heading up. In fact, I'll be driving through part of Ohio next uh, Wednesday, going up to Michigan for a, a big traditional bow hunters rendezvous mm-hmm. in Michigan, and one of the uh, officers from that organization was actually uh tra- tragically killed in the line of duty uh this past winter
2: oh man Sorry and
1: that. and yeah and he was a he was a good friend too but he every year he would to make a point he would actually go out and hunt and 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 take a whitetail with a cheap fifty dollar recurve he picked up off a of, uh off of ebay with some just nothing arrows and whatever he could put together mm-hmm. just just again just to make the point yeah but a lot of a lot of traditional bow hunters are the same way. they'll go out and spend six, seven, eight hundred dollars, and I've seen them do it on a bow and then turn around and and they're talking about arrows being too expensive and it's like, yeah, you know what? What part of this equation are you are you not understanding? And I do think some of it just comes down to good old male ego. It's it's hard to brag about and, and say, man, look at look at this
0: leader. This <laughs> exactly. Is, is this not yeah. fantastic? Or, or the cheapest um, string possible, or the cheapest glove possible? Like yeah, yours. right,
2: right. No, it's ex- it's the exact same parallel. Um, that you know, if uh, you, uh, I, I'd much rather. Um, I'd much rather spend the money on the arrow than I would than I would necessarily the bow, and also what it really boils down to is it's not necessarily the pen, it's the penmanship it's who's drawing the bow it's who's casting the fly rod let's Let's also get down to that as well mm-hmm
1: yeah i'm pretty sure lefty cray could have gone out and and cut a sapling and cast it better than i can
0: a 900 rod so
2: i'm uh, pretty sure he did that a few (laughs)
0: times (laughs) i will say this when i when i first started i had a cabela's prestige and that rod was really really stiff and um i ended Mm -hmm. up the following uh actually the you know and i was struggling with it but it was the first time um and i i borrowed my buddy's. sage four weight you know which was a lot different i mean it was a lot you know it it loaded differently um and i'm like oh i could cast that much better i just could and um i decided that you know the following weekend i traded that prestige in and i spent another hundred some dollars and i got you know like a vector or something like that it was a i tried quite a few in the parking lot until i found one i liked that you know cast like that sage um and even going up that much more, um, and I think the more important thing was actually just getting something that felt better to me that I could do it. It wasn't, it wasn't really like, I just, I had bought a package right out of the, right out of the box and didn't know anything about it. But once I tried my buddies and found and saw and cast that, I was like, I want to rod that, that act that, that actually acts a little bit like this one. Cause I, I seem to be able to cast this better cause I could feel that I could feel the line load on it. Um, that mm-hmm, did make sure. a big difference. But, again, I don't know if that's the quality of the rod or if that's it, it just that the two were so drastically different in the way the action was that I preferred that action. I, I don't know.
2: Well, the, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's a bit of that that comes into play as well. And um, if you, there's a little touch of that if you look at, I think, maybe it's episode three or episode four in the Getting Started in Fly Fishing program where I talk about the rod action. And I talk about the different ways to think about, and uh, I think we gave a pretty good definition of rod action. And part of that is the person who's casting the rod. So we're back to the caster there. And uh, one rod that feels great to one person is not necessarily going to feel great to the next person, um, because even if you've never cast a fly rod before, you have a casting style. Whether you know it or not, you have a casting style. And I always draw the parallel of like some hippie guy comes in and he says, hey, I'm thinking about taking up fly fishing. Well, I know he's going to have a pretty relaxed casting style because he's just a laid back kind of hippie dude. You know, he says, oh, this is groovy. And so he's going to respond a little bit better to maybe a slower action fly rod. Whereas, um, I think I even say it in the video, a guy comes in in a three-piece suit, he's go headed to a board meeting in Montana, you know, what do you got in fly rods? Well, he's probably going to cast a fast rod better because he's in a hurry to get to the airport. Um, and so he goes, bam, 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 here, I'll take it. Doesn't even ask the price. Um, so s- some people's casting strokes fit a fast rod better than they fit a slow rod, and that may have been—it might not even necessarily be the price. It might just necessarily be that, like you said, that um, that a brand C-Rod that you were casting was a little bit too fast— for your style of casting. And you just happen to put your hands on one that just t- happened to fit your style a little bit better and felt better to you, which is like you, you made the comment, you went out and cast them in the parking lot. We highly recommend that. And everybody should cast a fly rod before they ever buy one. And you should cast several of them because you're going to find one that suits your casting style. I,
0: I totally agree. And, and that's, you know, I actually thought that I would want a faster action rod because, you know, I've been an athlete all my life and, and, you know, I figured that I'd really try to power it out there, you know? Um, and I, I still fight that sometimes, but it's funny. I've actually mm-hmm. been graduating mm-hmm. or gra- gravitating more towards the, the medium, slower end of the spectrum. Um, just because I can feel mm-hmm. a load at the top a lot better. It's easier for me to feel a load. Yes. and Because what I usually do is I prematurely come forward and, um, like I'm throwing a baseball cuz I did it all my life, you know, come down hard with it, you know, and try to force it out there. Yeah. Um but you know, so that kind of stops me from doing that. It kind of slows my cast down a little bit and I right. know if I don't feel that flex it's not back there. So it, it was it was a mm-hmm. it was a cool realization and and actually one of the shops I went to, you know, had given me like it was like a T TFO or something like that and it was a it was a one of their really fast action rods and i just i could not get that thing to do like anything um you know i was i was just Mm -hmm. you know it was weird Mm -hmm. just to have that little flick at the top and watch the line go sailing out there like i'm like i don't feel like i'm doing anything so i would i would really power my arm down on it but it's funny how you and i i never would have figured that out you know maybe the first time i went to the fly shop had i had enough confidence and and it wasn't insecure and would have just done that I probably would have, you know, save myself some money, learn that quicker, and probably two weeks ahead of time. Uh, but there sure. was no way I was going to go out in the parking lot and flail away in front of everybody and God, <laughs> you know, before without knowing what I was doing.
2: <laughs> well, and and here we are. We're back to the to this uh, point that uh, every uh, folks out there should find a fly shop that they're comfortable with, they're not intimidated by, and that they know that their focus is to help and not just sell them something, but to help. Um, And you know, I think it's a proven fact, and if you, if they can't find that fly shop, out there, then you pick up the phone and call Mad River Outfitters. You call me here and let's chat about it. Or send me an email at madriveroutfitters.com and let's chat about it, which, again, I do every day of my life. I get 10 phone calls a day of people wanting to consult about rods. Um, and then I, I try to encourage them. And even if I have to send somebody a rod and I say, okay, try it, and then if it doesn't fit you, then call me. Let's send it back, and let me send you this one. Um, that uh, Yeah, absolutely. Casting a rod is going to make a difference. And I've seen so many people that cast those super fast, what's so-called high-performance fly rods, and they can't make them work because they just can't feel them. And um, I think a lot of people uh, just have the wrong idea of um you know of what fast and slow rods mean as far as casting and or fishing goes so once again try a fly rod before you buy it
1: so brian i have to i have to ask this question because i'm 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 kind of on both ends of the spectrum um but you're mentioning the the fast action and the slow action rods Um, looking past where they, they definitely have their place, what's, mm-hmm. what's, your, what's your preference? Are you a fast-action guy or yeah,
2: slow-action I'm, guy? Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a fast-action uh, rod guy. Um, you know, I fish a lot in the saltwater. Um, okay. I usually spend about a week a year down in the Amazon uh, jungle chasing peacock bass. Um, and these are all, uh, hosted trips that we do here through the shop. I rare, I rarely get to go fishing for myself, but, um, I'm, I'm, when I go to these places, I'm hosting a, a group, uh, trip that we run here through the shop. So most of that stuff that I'm doing is going to be fairly well suited for a faster action rod. I'll also say that the other, the other thing is that, uh, I've spent a lot of time in my life. Um, studying fly casting with really two of the greatest of all times. And I I was very lucky in the 90s to uh, spend some time with Lefty Cray himself. And, you know, at the time I was probably still in my 20s. And you can imagine a kid in his 20s and you got Lefty Cray uh, standing right next to you. Uh, believe me, I soaked up as much as I could out of lefty and I learned a lot about how to properly operate a fly rod. And then the second person, uh, who has been a a very close friend of mine for many years. Um, uh, we filmed quite a few of the Walker's K Chronicles for ESPN, uh, and that's Flip Pallet. In fact, you can go, if you go to flippallet.com, his website, we pretty much run that here through the shop and Flip has been a mentor to me and a very close friend of mine for many many years now and there is no better fly caster alive today than Flip Pallet and I've learned so much from him about how to properly operate a fly rod which is virtually opposite of almost anything that you might see out there. uh, but that's uh, a different topic for a different day. And trust me, we've got some YouTube videos coming on that, but I learned so much about how to properly operate, uh, a, a fast fly rod that, uh, you know, I'm not bragging, uh, this is what I do for a living, but I can make a fast fly rod work. Whereas Nick, when you mentioned that you come forward too soon and a, most people do, In fact, 99% of the people that I teach in classes or private lessons, they all come forward too soon. Many people don't ever realize that they're doing it until they get some professional help. But if you come forward too soon with a fast fly rod, it's completely out of the equation. You're not even bending that rod if you come forward too soon. Whereas with a fast fly rod, you're, you're going to... You're going to stop the rod, which forms the loop, and then you're going to actually drop it backwards. You're going to drop that tip backwards, and you're going to do this, yes, I'm about to say this, by breaking your wrist. How many times have you heard people say, don't break your wrist when you're fly casting? Yeah, I've, I've heard it. Um, Flip Pallet Flip says, says, if anybody ever tells you, don't break your wrist, he says, run from them. Run from them and run and find yourself a casting instructor who knows what the heck they're talking about. And uh, we call it here, remember what they taught you when you were a kid in kindergarten if you ever caught on fire? Stop, drop, and roll. Remember that? Stop, drop, and roll. And that's what you need to do with your fly cast. And I know that you're going to go try this very shortly, maybe even tonight Um, and then you're going to send me an email or call me here at the shop and you're going to say, Oh my God, Brian, this completely changed my entire life in fly fishing because now I finally understand how a fly rod works, but real quickly, and we're going to be explaining this further on the YouTube channel. And I think we've touched on it a few times on some of our Q and A's, but you're going to stop the rod and that's what Mm -hmm. forms the loop, Right. And whereas you, Nick, as have 99% of all other fly casters, you stop the rod and immediately you start to wander forward. The industry calls it creep. Well, instead of wandering forward, I want you to try this, you're going to wander backwards. You're going to drop that tip almost. uh, and, And in fact, if you watch a really good caster, especially trying to cast a big fly, I may wind up with that rod tip. I form the loop by stopping the rod tip high, but then I may drop it back until it's almost parallel to the ground and that's where I begin the forward cast. So you're going to stop, you're going to drop, and then you're going to roll. And what you're doing by coming forward too soon, that's the equivalent of a baseball pitcher winding up to throw a 90 mile an hour fastball and he only takes it to his ear. And tries to push it to the catcher. Whereas by dropping that rod tip back, you're winding up just like that baseball pitcher. And you're going to start throwing 98 mile an hour fastballs huh. with your fly rod. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Uh, stop, stop, drop, and roll. Stop that tip to form the loop. Drop your tip backwards. And you just do that by breaking your wrist. So I, I'm definitely going to have to try it because I can, I can
1: visualize it in my head and I'm a, I'm gonna I'm walk through something here quick, Brian, just get your feedback on this. So well first of sure. all, I will say the the um, the stop in, and accelerating your forward cast too quickly, um, that's the fly caster that fly shops really love because they're buying a lot of flies. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and leaders, leaders right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but so I have we had, and I, I I don't know if you know Cameron Mortensen or not. Um, we had him on the,
2: uh, yeah, I know of the fiberglass yes, manifesto. We had him
1: on the show, yes, a year ago. And mm-hmm. um, after that, I actually went out and bought um, a fiberglass rod, and I've I'll be honest, I've really kind of fallen in love with them. I still got some of my my graphite rods, but I I really like the the certain things about the fiberglass rods and one of them is actually somewhat related to what you were just saying i don't feel this as much and it's probably my poor casting uh with the graphite rods as i do with the with the fiberglass but when i come into my back cast and and part of it's just feeling that rod load i'm not I'm not dropping like you are talking about, but what I am doing is when mm-hmm. I reach the back of my backcast and I stop, I actually wait till I feel that line tugging. Let me know that it's reached the back of that backcast. And that's kind of mm-hmm. like my psycho trigger to to start my forecast. But i've got sure. to, i've got I'm gonna have to try that actually let my hand drop or my wrist break and drop just a little bit on the back end because i'm not doing that um but mm-hmm. i have noticed that if i wait for that tug that i can definitely feel more in the fiberglass rods i'm not getting as many wind knots and those kind of because i'm not coming forward too soon and I, and the rods telling sure, me when sure. to start that forward cast
2: And it's quite a bit easier. You're right, Steve. It's quite a bit easier to feel that with the fiberglass rod or with a slower action rod, okay? So it's going to talk to you a little bit better. Whereas that faster action rod, it's not, and this is one of the reasons, and Nick kind of mentioned it before, that his first fly rod was just too fast for him. He wasn't feeling it. And so many people don't ever feel it and that's because they're not allowing, they're not allowing a scenario where that f- medium, fast, or fast rod can load, because they're essentially making half of a cast. And again, uh, I think this will be a good impetus, and, and uh, Dev and I are going to agree that we're going to get out and we're going to film some of this uh, just so you guys can see it. Um, I think there is a and A. We've got a QA. and a It's about how to correct wind knots, I think, if you mm-hmm. look that up. It's maybe Q&A number four, five, six, somewhere in there. Um, and there's a little bit about this here, but we're going to expand on this further on the channel. Um, but uh, I'll tell you a little bit of a story on how I really learned how to do this, and it was from Flip Pallet himself. And I was on a boat with Flip in the Everglades, now this is probably about 1999, maybe 2001, somewhere in there. And I was on the nose. I was on the bow of the boat and Flip was pulling me around. And, um, and we launched out of Flamingo in the Everglades and we were fishing for redfish or snook or whatever. And Flip uh, would say to me, he would say, Brian, that was half of a cast. And I'd say, OK, you know, I didn't want to. Uh, he, he, you've got a living legend who's pulling you around. You don't want to uh, seem dumb. So I go, oh, okay, okay. And then I'd, I'd make another cast, and Flip said, Brian, that was half of a cast. And later that night, I, I, went, uh, I, I went back to my hotel room, and I called his wife, who I'm very good friends with, and I said, Diane, I said, I, I think Flip hates me because he's just <laughs> constantly bitching at me about my casting. And Diane said, but Diane said, "Brian, Flip does not hate you." She said, "Trust me, I'm married to the man. He's not going to allow you on the nose of his boat if he hates you." She said, "Brian, he loves you and he wants you to learn." So, finally, um, the next day, he it really hit home when he he said to me, he said, "Brian, that was half of a cast." And he said, "You came all the way from Ohio." to fish there in South Florida with me. He said, why don't you go ahead and make an effing fly, (laughs) full fly cast? And that's when it really hit home to me, and that's when he took the time to sit me down, and he explained to me, if you stop the rod, let's call it at the, I call it the 1 o'clock position, if you stop the rod high and you've formed your loop, and then you begin to wander forward, right? And then you try to push it through to that stopping position, which is approximately 10 o'clock on a clock face or above eye level. Can you now see that you're really only making half of a cast? Where if I drop my tip of my fly rod backwards, now, as soon as I start to bring it forward, can you visualize that I'm loading, 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 loading the rod? I'm bending the heck out of that fast fly rod. And now, I'm, at, I'm just now at the place where if you crept forward that you started your cast from. So I always draw the analogy that uh, a, fly, a good fly cast is just like an airplane taking off a runway, and then it's just like an airplane coming in for a landing. And if you creep forward, you're only utilizing half the runway, Whereas I'm going to use that whole runway just by dropping my rod tip back. And just start by drop, dropping that tip back just about two inches maybe. And then try dropping it back four inches. And then eventually you'll be able to lay that doggone thing parallel to the ground or the water behind you. And you're going to start from all the way back there. And then look at all that distance now that you're going to travel. Load, 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 load. And then that fast rod does all the work for you. And that's the hard part with the industry saying, don't break your wrist, don't break your wrist. Well, you got to break your wrist if you really want to make a fly rod r- work properly.
1: Do you think it's easier to 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 learn lessons like that, Brian, with uh, heavier gear than the lighter rods? Meaning, and I'm asking this for a question, but if if you were going out and trying to learn to cast with a... Let's say a three weight for a you know small trout streams versus maybe a seven or an eight weight. Do you think one would be easier to learn with than another?
2: You know, I, I used to really I used to really not, but um, I do believe, and I have seen this time and time again um, that uh, I do prefer a maybe six, seven or an eight weight. Um, definitely prefer someone to learn on a rod like that over a three or say a four or worse yet a two. There's no question that the greater mass in the fly line and in fact I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. Um, I have a particular rod which is, was actually given to me by Lefty Cray and Temple Fork Outfitters and it's a rod that Lefty designed called the instructor rod and it's yellow. And you'll see it in most of my videos. And then I put an orange fly line on there, which is um, actually a fly line that I fish with a lot, which is the Flip Pallet's uh, line that he designed for Cortland. And so the rod's bright yellow. The line is orange so that my students can see it, so you can see it better on video. But anyways, that rod is a seven weight, and it has a fairly slow tip on it. And then I actually overload it with an eight weight fly line. And I just time and time again for the past, ever since I've, I've owned that rod, which is about probably about 10 years ago or so um, that it was given to me. And uh, time and time again, I'll have people that have an eight and a half foot four weight. They can't feel it load. I put that rod in their hand. Their eyes light up. All of a sudden, they can feel it load. They start casting, and then 20 minutes later, we go back to their four weight, and bada bing! All of a sudden, they can cast that four weight because they learned what the tip of the rod is designed to do, and they become better. Um, So, absolutely, I I really do think that um, having more mass in the line. And even um, if you can find a shop or an instructor that can overload a rod. Now, I'm not a big fan of overloading or overlining when I'm actually fishing. I'm a big proponent of the fact that a six, Sage or Scott or Loomis, they call it a six because it's right. a six. And that's the line you should put on there when it comes to fishing. But for teaching, I have definitely found, found that overloading a rod Is really a great way for someone to really, really learn what the tip of the rod does and to help learn that the fly rod does most of the work in conjunction with the line and the leader and not you.
1: And the reason I asked that question is um, I mentioned that I had the nine weight, which I've long since uh, gotten rid of, but. Uh, When I, I took a break from fly fishing for several years, mainly because I was, I uh, I moved, I got remarried, was trying to uh, build a new career, et cetera. And and when I got back into it was actually about the time that um, TFO, in fact, I believe it was the year TFO was launched. Uh, And I've still got a a, Mm -hmm. a TICRX five weight. Um, And that. That is a that is a very fast action rod, but it's one of the few fast action rods that I feel I can cast fairly well, as as good as I can any rod. Um, mm-hmm. Love mm-hmm. that rod.
2: Yeah, I've got. I actually still have a couple of them too. Uh,
1: but when I did try, because uh, I fished, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I fished with that rod for for quite some time, and I forget now. Why I, I ran across a, a pretty good deal on a, a Legend Ultra Saint Croix three weight. Bought the rod, bought a, a a Ross Evolution reel for it, and that became my man. I I still do. Just love that rod for most of the fishing that I do. It's just it's just perfect, and it's a it's a it's a it feels good, it looks good. Um, but then when I tried the when I tried the fiberglass, I mean, there's just something about I don't know I, I can't I can't I wish I could describe it. I go back and forth between that three weight and a another three weight uh, fiberglass and I have a hard time choosing between the two as far as which one I, I really like the best um, mm-hmm. but it's it I, I found that when I started when I started practicing and 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 fishing some, with the heavier stuff and really focusing what I was doing, it's kind of like what you said. When I went back to the lighter, the the fours, the threes, even a two weight, I found I could cast them much better. And especially in something like a three or a two weight, I wasn't kill. I, I wasn't killing myself to try to cast it. It became a lot more yeah. natural just to let the line do the work instead of me trying to force it to do something that it wasn't going to do no matter Correct. how much. You know, I tried
2: to force it. Uh, so, yeah. No, I think, uh, and especially, and here's here's a, kind of a psychology uh, portion of when I'm teaching somebody, is if they've got like a three or four weight or sometimes even a, a medium or slower action five weight, um, I'll, I'll put them on a heavier rod and then teach them how to form a loop, they really get the feel for it like that. And then you put that four weight back in their hand, and I and I say to them, okay, guess what? Now you get to do a lot less work. And if you get that point across to somebody that, okay, this is going to require very, very little effort mm-hmm. um, to make this happen, and then all of a sudden that light bulb goes off, and they start utilizing, once again, the tip of the rod. Because I'm a huge proponent of the fact that, the, uh, of course, um, it depends on the action of the rod as well. When you start talking about fiberglass rods, you may cast you may make the cast with that full rod with a slow action fiberglass. But on a medium fast or and a fast action rod, it's really just the last six inches of the rod that forms the loop and makes the cast. Um, but if you yeah, it's absolutely if you can teach somebody that, And then, uh, have them back off and let the rod do the work. It really works wonders.
1: So Brian, you're, you're obviously very passionate about the educational side of, of, of your, your life's hobby. Let me put it that way. Your, your, your life's hobby that you turned into a business. But I do want to spend a little bit of time before, you know, we, we get to the end of this, you know, what, uh. What what do you like to do when you go out there? So, you know, is there is there s- certain species of fish or certain rivers or streams that you like to pursue? I mean, you know, tell us about – take the guiding part aside. When Brian gets the chance to go, what what lights sure. your fire?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been getting that question more and more. The older I get and the more, uh, I think, exposure and I, I guess you could call it respect um, – that we've been able to get, and and that's a tough question. Let me go back to the fact that, uh, uh, thank you for saying that. I'm glad that our passion shows, and it's not just me. It's uh, everybody that works here at Mad River Outfitters, Ryan, Pat, uh, the other guys that you see on the YouTube channel, even, uh, you know, um, Uh, Linda and Judy and Christina and everybody that works here. And even Dev has a lot of passion for making the videos because he understands the magnitude. But I've always said that education is the cornerstone of our business. And I think that's really what has set Mad River Outfitters apart over the years. You see a lot of fly shops out there and they don't offer any types of classes. I, I just could never understand that. I mean, I teach two, three, four classes a week. I teach schools on the weekends. Um, we are constantly teaching, teaching, teaching. That's what we do. Um, and uh, and I'm glad that it shows. And, uh, of course, it shows through our YouTube channel. Um, yes, we have a passion. And we have a passion for teaching people the right way. Or, I guess, what we at least consider the right way. Um. So I get that question a lot these days, and you know when it really comes down to it, I'm going to have to give you a couple of answers because it's almost like trying to uh, it's almost like asking a father of five, you know (laughs) who's 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 your favorite kid, (laughs) which one is your favorite. And really, when it comes down to it, if I had just a week left in my life to fish, it would certainly be in a saltwater fishing destination. And I have to say that I'm torn between, um, uh, I've been fishing a place called Andros Island in the Bahamas for bonefish. I've been fishing down there for over, in fact, we just celebrated 20 years, I I just um uh, celebrated 20 years at the Andros Island Bonefish Club. I take a group down there every February and have since 1999. And there is something really special about hunting bonefish. And I think it's a lot like bow hunting. There's a lot of analogies, as a matter of fact, bet- I think, between bow hunting. And I tell people that a lot, that um, fly fishing is a lot like bow hunting. Um, and hunting a bonefish and, uh, being able to present a fly properly to a bonefish and then getting him to eat is really, I think one of the greatest thrills that I get to have on a fly rod. And it's not so much, they're not giant fish. They don't actually, they don't fight all that well. They run really far and then they run back halfway at you and then run back out again. And then you got them on the boat. So it's more about the hunt, and it's more about the being able to uh, present that fly properly and make that fly behave so that he fool the fish. Again, very similar to putting on your camouflage and, and being able to outsmart that white tailed deer and going mano a mano with a with a bow. Um, it's it's really got to be similar um, in the um, thrill of the hunt per se. But then my second part of the answer is that I have really fallen in love. I I grew up fishing for redfish, uh, especially down in South Florida. But about eight years ago, nine years ago now, I came across um, a great destination in South Louisiana, and I am addicted to South Louisiana and the giant redfish that are found in the Mississippi River Delta. I I have to admit I have an addiction addiction. I love it in South Louisiana. I love everything about it. I love the people that I get to fish with. And, and I think <laughs> it's, it's, it's not as hard. I think it might be, uh, there's just something about when you plop that fly down in front of a redfish and his eyes light up and his gills flare out and he just annihilates a fly. There's, to me, there's just almost nothing like that. So it would really be a toss up. Um uh, right now I'd probably have to go as I'm just sitting here thinking about it and kind of getting tingles up my <laughs> spine thinking about a redfish. I'd probably have to go with a redfish. Uh but then my third answer is that I have been really blessed in my life um to have we've been running trips to the Amazon uh in Brazil and we fish tributaries to the Amazon or to the Negro River um down there in the Amazon jungle. And let me tell you something, uh, the peacock bass, if it's not on your bucket list, please put it on your bucket list and do everything you can to join me and Matter River Outfitters uh, uh, in the Amazon at some point in your life because there is no higher adventure than uh, camping in the Amazon for a week and catching peacock bass on a fly rod. Or for that matter, we do a lot of spin tackle, and we have a lot of guys that, that throw uh, bait casters down there with us, but I, I mostly fly fish. And the peacock bass is just so exotic and so much fun to catch that, boy, it, it, it's going to be a real toss-up between those fish. But right now I'm going to go for redfish. Check with me when I get back from the Amazon in middle of August. It'll probably it'll probably be the peacock bass at that point. <laughs> so you like you like the big and exotics. That's that's what you're all about, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I still I still guide for trout around here. I still go out to Montana almost every summer. I've I've been in Montana virtually every summer of my life since I was 17. I have a huge passion for Yellowstone National Park. Uh, I just love being in Yellowstone, even the fish. Even though the fishing's kind of gone downhill in Yellowstone Park itself. Over the years, I still go out there and fish the same places every year that I've been fishing since I was 17. So I mean, I still enjoy catching trout, and I know this would probably offend a lot of people, but trout are relatively easy to catch in comparison. <gasps> to- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no nah, I know I t- uh, I'm <laughs> gonna offend some people by saying that but they re- for the most part they're relatively easy to catch um and yeah I like throwing eight weights nine weights ten weights um I love being on the nose of a boat um and in the Amazon in the Bahamas and in New Orleans uh, I'm fishing from a boat um yeah. I just love the gear I love the the salt water. I love the, uh, the weather. Um, yeah, it's, I just can't say enough about it. I'm not a huge fan of putting on waders if I don't have to, <laughs> I like jumping on a boat and spending a day on a boat with, with a client who's there on the trip with me. And, uh, it's just real special to me. And that's, that's really what I prefer to do. You know, I,
0: maybe that's it, part of that. You're not the only person that ever says that most people I know that, um, fly fish that I've talked to, actually have you know once they've gotten into a steelhead or or once they've carp fished or once they've they've just gotten into bigger fish have have said you know I I I like I love trout but once you hook into something like that it's really hard not to just want to do that you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah I don't think you're offending anybody I think you know and part of me part of me makes me think that you know is that a phase is that like a phase in a fisherman's life too like if you're you know around fly fishing as much as you are and you've fished as many years as you have, you know, you're, you're kind of not on the bigger and better, but you, you're having, you're able to have more experiences. You're having more experiences. Whereas somebody like me who's been doing this a year, I'm thrilled to go out and catch a trout that's, you know, 11, 12 sure. inches, or I'm thrilled to catch a trout that's six to seven inches, you know, and, mm-hmm. but no, I, absolutely. And
2: there's, and you have, you have those phases and you've always heard the, You've always heard that adage that the first phase is you want to catch a fish. And then the next phase is you want to catch a lot of fish. And then that third phase is you want to catch a, the biggest fish. Um, and then, then I see that that can kind of hold true for a lot of folks. And I'm not so sure that it's because bonefish aren't necessarily all that big. I mean, we catch a lot of four to six pound bonefish. Um, I've caught a handful of them in my life over over 10 pounds Um, now the redfish that we catch in new Orleans are just behemoths. They're just big apes of redfish swimming around in the water down there. That's ridiculous. And even, you know, to me, a peacock bass, I mean, I've caught a few peacock bass over 20 pounds. Um, I've caught a handful between 15 and 20, but even if you're catching a six or an eight pound peacock bass, I mean, it is just one voracious predator. And you know, it might not just be the fish. Like I said, it might be. It might be the process, if that makes sense. Um, it might be the entire process of um, building a good saltwater leader, of getting my 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 gear together, and then um, you know, it might also be part of partly the people. Then I'm um, the people that work at the lodges where I've been hanging out for 20 years and 10 years, and, and what have you. And it might, have, it might be more than the fish. You know, Isaac Walton had that famous quote. He said, "Most anglers go through most of their life, never realizing that it's not really the fish that they're after." And I think that's a great quote, and I've always kind of thought about that. I, I think it's more the process, and it's more um, having all my tackle, uh, my hook sharpened, my leaders in good shape, my, my pliers on my hip, my sunscreen's on, and I've got my buff over my head and protecting me from the sun, and then it's game on. And the, the catching the fish is just the icing on the cake. To me, it's the process. It's the hunt. It's the preparation um, that, that all adds up to, to make it that, uh, that really special experience. And, and believe me, it's, um, I'm a very, very lucky person and I count my blessings to be able to do those things professionally, um, and to share it with the really great customers and friends. Our friends are more, or, or excuse me, our customers are more than just customers. They're friends and, um, I have a lot of people that have been traveling with me for 25 plus years. Brian,
1: you've been uh have you been have you been spot listening to some of our previous podcasts?
2: I have to admit this is uh, I have to admit this is the first prob I think this is the first po- first podcast I've ever done and it would be the first one I've so ever So the
1: reason to. I asked that, it- <coughs> excuse me, I'll have to edit that out. Um the reason I asked that is that's really kind of our almost like our tagline is that um, mm-hmm. we're out there for the experiences. So, yeah, sorry. Well, I don't know what happened to my throat here, but
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> we used to say, uh, we used to, we used I think you got sp- all choked up with what yeah, I was You saying. know what?
1: <laughs> I think that that's probably it. I, I probably, you probably got me all yeah.
0: choked up, but, uh, and Nick's getting ready to say this too, but that, Yeah. 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 Go ahead,
2: Nick. Go ahead, Nick.
0: No, I was just going to say, we used to have, uh, I mean, our, our, we kind of adopted hunt the experience is kind of our thing. And lately I've been, I've Mm -hmm. been adding, you know, fish the experience because I I think that, you know, really the way you're talking, you sound like you're definitely a kindred spirit because that's, that's Mm -hmm. what we, that's what we believe in very strongly and, uh, and pretty much always have, that's kind of what we're about um the people and, and the places and and just just being in the moment kind of stuff
2: yeah and it's the process and that's that's probably why um and and i i certainly hope that that comes across not only just came across right here in this podcast but i think i think it comes across and it will even more as we progress with our youtube channel we have a lot of kind of documentary type stuff coming uh, on a lot of our trips. I've been documenting and kind of taking a tour around the lodge and interviewing the customers, kind of getting testimonials from customers. You're going to start to see that on our YouTube channel coming up very shortly. And um, so I think that's uh, that's maybe why you guys were drawn to our YouTube channel and drawn to me and Matter of Outfitters to the point where you wanted me have on have me on as a guest, because I think that it's it's not just and just like here in the store, it's not just about making a sale. I, I don't want to sound uh, whatever here, but uh, Mad River Outfitters is a pretty doggone successful business right in today's day and age. And I'm not that hard up that I just need to sell you something just to sell you something to make a quick buck. That's not what this is about. I'd rather not sell you something today, and earn your trust and earn your business moving forward. Because it's about the process. It's about the process of educating you, about helping you along at your budget. And it's the same thing when it comes to trips. It's not, I mean, we, our last trip to New Orleans, we didn't catch that many redfish. But we still had a heck of a time. It was one of the best trips I've ever been on. And I think I caught f- five or six redfish, if that, on a fly rod. Uh, we caught some on spin tackle, but the fly fishing was horrible due to the fact that they had five-foot extra water in the marsh than we're used to. Um, but it was still one of the best trips I've ever been on, and part of that was, again, the process, the food, the place, the people, the customers, the guys that we get to spend time with. So it's it's not all about the fishing. It's, uh, there's way more to it, and I love that. Fish the experience. That's great. I might steal that from you, Nick.
0: <laughs> I probably stole it from somebody else. I didn't bother well, anybody well, else. Well, there you go. Well, then it's
2: showing that. up in a YouTube video here in the next week. In fact, we're going to start a whole series. That's it. You got that dev Fish the Experience. Dev's shaking his head. In fact, he's designing t-shirts right now as we speak. <laughs> as long, well, as, as, long last, as you give Steve. as
1: long as you give us some credit, we're fine with it.
2: <laughs> we're definitely going to give you guys some credit and uh you have my word. That I will, uh, I will get over my um, tech- technological um, uh, hindrances, which uh, I'm not a real big computer guy or social media guy. But um, I will, I will, I promise, go back and listen to some of your podcasts because uh, I sure have enjoyed spending the time with you guys here. And.
1: and- Brian, we've really enjoyed having you. I know we are kind of getting up on the the end of time, and we we need to we need to end this on time so that uh you can make it home and and make dinner at eight o'clock like you you made sure you
2: told us right up front, so obviously. Well, you know, I am a fisherman and I always, there's always that. When I tell her that I'm going to be home at eight o'clock, she knows that that means about eight thirty quarter to nine. Ain't that the truth? uh, Yeah, that is the truth. So she's she's a smart enough woman to know that I'm going to be late for dinner. Um, That's just, that's just how that goes.
0: Jess says, so I'll see you tomorrow morning, right? (laughs)
2: That's basically how that works. Especially if there's a hatch. exactly
1: well Brian we, we right. have really enjoyed having you on here you uh, you've been exactly the guest I was expecting you to be um, we would really like the opportunity to to potentially have you on again in the future I'm sure with everything you're doing on your channel there's there's going to be something that you uh, that you come out with that we're going to say you know what it'd be nice to to get Brian on to talk about that again so uh, we reserve the right to invite you back if that's all right
2: I'd love to do it, and uh, all you have to do is send us an email. Once again, you may have heard me say that on the YouTube channel. We, we're kind of old-fashioned, and we communicate via email or by telephone, um, which kind of freaks people out sometimes these days. But, um, you know, if you, if, if you want to talk to me, call me. Um, and you can always call me right here at Mad River Outfitters. Of course, let me throw in the plug, madriveroutfitters.com. And right there on that website, you can find a link to our YouTube channel, a link to our email, and yes, a phone number where you can actually call and talk to us.
1: And I will say, and 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 Brian, thank you for plugging those in. I will actually also be sure I include all of those in the show notes for this episode as well. Um, but you know, when I when I reached out for uh, to get you on the on the show, I used just the the store email and. Lo and behold, you were the one that replied. So, I can vouch for the fact that you you're answering the emails. We
2: take great pride in that. Uh, all emails are answered. All phone messages, if we're busy too busy to pick up the phone, get returned. And um, and I'm pretty sure that most of the comments, although I try to stay away. From the comments section on YouTube, Dev kind of handles that there, and uh, but we, we still try to at least acknowledge the f- the fact that uh, all the people that chime in and, and um, tell us what a great job we're doing, we always make sure to say thanks because we do appreciate it, and if it weren't for folks like you and for good folks out there that uh, support Matter of Ralphitters, I mean that's what we're here for is uh, the customer education is a cornerstone of our business. I wouldn't be anywhere without my customers. Um, So we always appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you, Brian, so much. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Please keep up the good work because you're obviously putting out some fantastic content. Uh, Dev, I know you're sitting in the sidelines listening. It's great talking to you, getting this all set up. Keep doing the great job that you're doing. For everyone that's listening, be sure to check out the Mad River Outfitters YouTube channel, and check out the website as well, and be sure to keep Brian and his team in mind if you're uh, looking for any fly fishing gear or fly fishing activities outdoors in the near future. Thank you so much, Brian. You take My care.
2: pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: And Nick,
0: thank you as well. Yep, thank you, and uh, it was awesome meeting you.
2: You bet, man. Brian. Same to you, Nick, and uh, I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. All right, everyone. Hope
1: you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you next week with another one. Take care, all.